welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast. As uh, usual, it's your two co-hosts, um, Matthew and then... Michael, how's it going, guys? It's been a minute. Yeah, I was I was going to say, it's been a while, um, but it feels great to be back. Um, first, I feel like uh, we should maybe apologize a little for the... Um, I guess the the break, the mini break we had, but uh, you know, we used that time to kind of ca- catch up. Things were getting busy. Uh, I did some traveling. Uh, you know, uh, our jobs picked up. Michael, Michael started working a new job as well. It's been getting. It's yep. it's good though. It's you know that's where we wanted to be. So it's getting good, but uh, it's busy. But we always love doing the podcast. So we're finally back, and we have a lot to talk about this week. Absolutely, yeah. Like sports are slowly uh, returning. Uh, at least the sports that uh, were in off-season mode, they're starting to come back. The playoff push for the baseball season is uh, right underway, and football's back too, which is exciting. Oh yeah, for sure. I I didn't even mention football yet, but yeah, we've got a exciting, exciting uh, um, start to the NFL regular season already. Um, it's been really fun, and of course, we're watching our. If if you haven't paid attention to our. Uh, I guess this podcast last uh, football season. Uh, I'm a Browns fan, and then Michael's a Bills fan. <laughs> so uh, I mean, Browns could <laughs> Browns kind of browned uh, week one, but uh, it's been it's been a pretty good start um, overall, anyways. Oh yeah, it's uh, one thing from the Bills end. They had a pretty rough uh, opening game. Um, their offense was uh, out of sync. Their defense was uh, the only thing that was keeping them in the game somewhat, but. Yeah, to lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I don't think anyone's a big fan of losing to the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, even even for the Browns, I mean, like they had the game, um, especially in the first half, and then we saw the collapse afterwards. But again, it was to the Chiefs, so uh, and it's Week One, so hopefully it's kind of a sign, at least for some some promise this season. But uh, we'll see. Um, but other than that, Michael, I saw you. Uh, before we hopped on, you were uh, you, you well, you made a little pickup, uh, a video game pickup. Uh, we were talking about video games and old video games, and tell the, tell them what you picked up. Oh yeah, you know, uh, back in the day when uh, you were playing Game Boy, you'd always have some essentials that you'd include with it, and uh, one of them would be Pokemon. And in this case, it's Pokemon Emerald. For some reason, when I was younger, I thought I'm gonna sell this game and make some money. Boy, was that a mistake. So all these years, I've been uh, very mad at myself for letting it go. It's been the one that got away for the longest time. And uh, recently, I saw it available for a cheap price. I picked it up, and uh, now it's back in my collection, as it should have been the whole time. Yep. Rule number one, uh, especially anyone thinking out there, hey, let me sell my video games right now. Uh, I don't really use them much. Let me, uh, you know, let me get some money right now. Hold on to your video games. Trust me. Especially as a kid, if any kids are listening, but um, it it doesn't matter. Even 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 right now with the current gen consoles, uh, those games will be worth something. Or it's not even about worth. It's not even about value. It's just that sometime in the future you might want to play it again, and then you know you don't have it, and it's a little harder to find it. And um, again, I'm saying it's not even about like the value. I feel like a lot of people think like video game collecting and stuff is like, oh, if you have like an N64 game, it's going to be worth so much, right? It's not always the case. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's more so that, yeah, the game that you once loved, um, someone down down the line, you might want to play it again. So hold on to your video games. 
Exactly, especially if it's a Pokemon game on the Game Boy. For sure, Pokemon and Mario and things like that. Yeah, they go for a ridiculous price on eBay. I remember seeing them around the time that I found my copy. It was like a over a hundred bucks. Like, are you kidding me? Like, no, thank you. Yeah, no, for sure. Everyone, everyone loves Pokemon. Everyone loves Mario. All the Nintendo classics, things like that. They're tough to they're tough to get, but Pokemon Emerald, man, that's such a great game. It's 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 easily the best game, uh, best Pokemon game I've ever played, and one of the best games of all time. Yeah. There's only one more game I still need to grab my hands on. It's one of Fire Red or Leaf Green because I also sold that back in the day. Oh man, Fire and Red. I'm sure that'll be easy to get. I still have my original like the Fire Red copy that I got when I was like what like six or seven. Um, Damn. I love that game. I've played that game so much. I played red and green so many times, but like fire red and leaf green are like the perfect uh, remakes. I guess like I know there's always that feeling of, you know, respecting and playing the original, but I think fire red Mm -hmm. and leaf green are like proper remakes, like proper, like they added in just the right amount and they didn't change much and graphics are nice and everything It's it's perfect. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, definitely get that. But uh, is Hoenn like your favorite region? I'd say so, and it's just for sentimental reasons, because I played Pokemon Emerald religiously at the time. That that region holds a special place in my heart. And, uh, yeah, I close second, though, would be the Cancel region, just because I played Leaf Green so much back in the day. Yeah, I'd say my favorite was jo- probably Johto uh, and then Kanto. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Those, those, those two regions are really fun. I just found that the second generation, like, really fun. My first Pokemon game that, like, I actually owned for myself was pokemon mm-hmm. crystal um as a young kid and that 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 game was so much fun but mm-hmm. the kanto games are always really fun um and hey we're getting the uh the Sinnoh remakes right around the corner mm-hmm. so yeah a lot a lot of good things coming for pokemon i'm excited for that finally we get the oh, Sinnoh remakes absolutely thank thank the lord honestly yeah. it's a good time to be a video gamer at the moment uh not only are there some good games at a good price coming out the Call of Duty uh, beta just came out for Vanguard, which is the next game in the series. Yeah, I've been playing that uh, very recently, actually for the last two days, and I can I can say I've been very impressed. Nice. It's been a long time since I can say that about a Call of Duty game, but I think we finally found a Call of Duty that uh, matches to the kind of excitement that you get uh, from back in the day. You might have to convince me to get that... Uh... If if it's if it's actually good because uh, like I'm down to play with you guys uh, again, but I have not purchased or I have not actively played COD since what like Black Ops Two maybe was the last one when like you know I like actively played it and all my friends actively played it. Exactly, yeah. That that one I played it a little bit, but I didn't play that uh, when it first came out. The last Call of Duty game I played from release was. Uh... I think Modern Warfare 3. Yeah. I feel like that's that's around the time when it started dying was Modern Warfare 3, Black Ops 2. And then, yeah, it started dying off, really. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness we stopped when we did because it's, it's been a little bit of a tire what, fire ever since. What an era it was, though, when, like, Modern Warfare 2 and then Black Ops. Um, and it was, like, it was it was such an era. Like, literally, mm-hmm. everyone was playing it. It was all anyone ever wanted to play crazy what a time <laughs> my childhood memories from back then were of me and my friends after school we do our homework then run downstairs and play mon warfare 2 
I yeah. just love that game so much. I remember there was uh there was a time when my friends would like bike to my house and then after school and then we would literally just play that for hours on end into the night. Oh yeah. Wow. Those those were some great times. Those were good times. Those were good times playing Black Ops. I remember I I have so many of those Black Ops uh maps just like memorizing them and and, and it's like burned into the into my memory. Honestly, Black Ops, Black Ops as well is a game that I hold in high regard. Like I, Modern Warfare Two, Black Ops, uh, maybe Modern Warfare Three, but for sure World of War and the original Modern Warfare. That's the peak. Yeah. Like those four games, you can't go wrong. What an era, right, man? Crazy, crazy. But uh, yeah. I mean, aside from the video game talk, we have a a lot to cover this week. Uh, I mean. It was. It's been kind of a uh, a slower week, I guess, for uh, hockey and basketball. But hey, the biggest story in Toronto lately, and I'm sure everyone here knows that, have been the Toronto Blue Jays. They've been making a insane push for the playoffs. I mean, what? It was just like last month where we were talking about where we. we I think we actually talked about this on the last episode from August. Mm-hmm. We were wondering, like, we don't think that the Blue Jays can actually make it. To like into yep. the playoffs or even a wild card position, they were at one point. I think they were you know seven, eight games back, maybe even nine. I don't, I'm trying to recall at around the time we recorded that episode. Um, and over the last month, they went on a tear. Simply put, they went on a, an insane run, and right now they're tied for the um, AL. Well, I guess it's a three way tie right now, so I can't say a first or second wild card spot. But it's a three way tie mm-hmm. between Toronto, um, Boston, and the Yankees. So it's 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 just that close, and uh, Toronto went on an insane run to uh, to get to that spot, and we're actually well. This episode we'll be talking about that a lot because we actually have a very special guest coming up uh, soon. So uh, and he'll be on in just a few minutes. But Michael, before we go into that, I just want to ask what what are your thoughts on like the Blue Jays' run lately? Like, I mean, it's it's encapsulated Toronto, and I feel like. It's really been fueled by their return here to uh, to Toronto, of course, but we've just seen it like a real, I don't know, like they're just like another team and it's insane. It's, it's insanely good that every single player has honestly pitched in and up their play, um, you know, from Vlad to Bo, to, um, George Springer, even though he's been, you know, on and off with injury troubles, he's been on it um, when he is on Robbie Ray and, uh, you know, up and down the lineup. So I just want to know, like, what are your thoughts on this run it's been uh it's been quite entertaining to see i honestly thought they were done for towards the end of august when we were last talking about them like it really did not think seem like they were going to be able to salvage their season and it's because of their horrendous bullpen and uh just inconsistent pitching that was uh the reason and lo and behold the offense which we we've known from day one was the key to their success was uh, coming alive at, at a perfect time and they 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 caught the, the Yankees and the Red Sox uh both uh, losing ground in the standings um making making it a very interesting race and now we're at this point it's towards the end of September the Blue Jays as you said are in a three-way tie M- maybe have the slight edge over the Yankees as at least at the time of the recording but they're in the thick of it and they've put themselves in a good position uh, the rest of the way. And I don't think they're going to be able to catch the Tampa Bay Rays for the top spot in the American League East. 
that's that's probably out of the question at this point. But the on a good on a good note, they have an opportunity to have home field advantage in the wild card if they're able to secure it. And I think that should be the goal the rest of the way. Just keep keep a hold of that spot. This season is uh, so important to the development of this core. And I think it'd be a disappointment if they missed the playoffs after putting themselves uh, in this position at this point of the year. For sure. For sure. Um, it's just an exciting, exciting time. And like I said, the the race is so tight that I don't want to call it right now. The Blue Jays definitely are the hottest team out of the three and just the hottest team in the AL. Um, if not, you know, one of the hottest teams in baseball. Mm-hmm. But it's still too early i know it's nearing the end of the season but just based off how close it is too early to call it's too early to call if they'll make the mm-hmm. playoffs or not but um we shall see and and we you know we, we'll go into it more now with uh our guest he's he'll be on right right now um he is ian hunter he's been on here quite a, a few times before so uh mm-hmm. let's get right into that interview now We have a very special guest joining us today. He's been on the show a few times now, so many of you guys are already familiar with him. He's the late the lead baseball writer for Daily Hive. He's a great guy who we love having on. Welcome back to the great Ian Hunter. How are you today? Hey, good. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you for those kind words. Thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you on just to talk about the Blue Jays. Uh, guys, uh, we wouldn't be bringing him on if we uh, didn't enjoy his company. So, yeah. Like Matthew said, thanks for coming, stopping by. Even though uh, at the time of the recording, the Blue Jays are having a bad game. <laughs> now that's okay. I mean, if uh, we had this conversation maybe three weeks ago, it would have been uh, a much, much, much different tone. But now all of a sudden we're talking about the Blue Jays in a playoff position and not a team six and a half games out of a playoff spot. Yeah. So it's a nice it's a nice change of pace. Yeah, I mean, as as we were kind of joking right before we started recording um kind of the irony that we're, we're, we're about to talk about just how, how great the Blue Jays really have been, but um, kind of with the backdrop that they are losing right now, uh, as of right now, we're filming on Friday night. They're down 6-2 to two in the top of the third, but uh, you never know. The Blue Jays, cause there's still time to come back, but we'll see. I mean, they've, exactly. come, they've, had, they've come up with bigger deficits yeah. than that before, right? That 8-2, down 8-2 in the eighth, and they stormed back. What was it, two? I think it was actually two weeks ago tonight that uh, – yeah, a crazy game against the A's. So I mean, <laughs> that's a, a four-run or a six-run deficit. No, that's really nothing for this Blue Jays team. Oh yeah, they definitely have the offense to get themselves out of uh, pretty big jams. Uh, I just hope that it can come through tonight because uh, their pitching is not going to save them. I don't think <laughs> in a game like this. No, not in this case. And I mean, it's funny because entering the season. Hyunjin Ryu is the uh, is the quote unquote ace of this Toronto Blue Jays staff, and uh, you look at his stats this year. He actually has the worst ERA of all the Blue Jays starters so far. So it's uh, a bit of a different change. I mean, there was I think last year uh, it was that one game in Buffalo against the Yankees where he pitched. I think it was like into uh, complete or uh, into the seventh inning and kind of helped thrust the Blue Jays into a playoff spot. Now you're looking at him this year. And it's just like, hey, dude, can you get through the fourth inning without falling apart? So, <laughs> uh, a very, very different season for Hyunjin Ria this year. I have to ask you. Let's assume the Blue Jays make it to the wild card game. 
and they have to decide who's their starter. Do you how confident would you be if it ends up being Hunjin Ryu? Um, I really don't know at this point. It's so up in the air. I mean, if you had to just if it was just a choice in a vacuum and you had to pick your best starter, obviously it would be Robbie Ray. But uh, with the way that the Blue Jays starting pitching rotation lines up, uh, they might not have that luxury and they need Robbie Ray to pitches in as many games as humanly possible down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a potential the Blue Jays could be playing in a tiebreaker wildcard game as well as because with the Yankees are nipping at the Red Sox and the Blue Jays heels. So may have to use Ray for that game. Um, and then you're you know, either way. I mean, if you're going with, I would say probably Ryu is like your fourth choice for a wild card starter. I think it starts, starts with Ryu or starts with Ray. Um, and it goes down to Barrios, Manoa, and then, and then Ryu is your fourth choice. Like given the way that this schedule is down the stretch, they might not be able to, Canceling one of those three guys, I think they probably will, but I really, I think it's very highly unlikely we see Ryu in a wild card game if that happens. Such a fall from grace. Uh, it's it's <laughs> been uh, tough to see what was arguably one of the Blue Jays' biggest signings uh, a couple of years ago. Just uh, completely lose. I guess it seems to have lost his ability to be the quality starting pitcher that he was back with the Dodgers. It's it's kind it's tough to see because the the team as a whole is really good and. I think we could say, for the most part, the starters have been uh, fairly excellent. And with the way that Ryu's pitching, without any clear answers at who could feasibly replace him in the starting role, I just don't even know like uh, how much longer you can keep him in that position before you have to say, you know what, let's just put him in the bullpen. Yeah, it's, I mean, if things keep trending this way, um, Blue Jays might have to have some difficult conversations. I mean, maybe they just... Skip him entirely. Uh, Rio's kind of this pitcher who's always really benefited on having uh, an extra day's rest. Um, so, like, I, I I can't remember the tweet I saw earlier today, but I think I saw that on five days rest, his ERA is like 2.52 or something. And on four days rest, it's like two runs higher than that. So the problem is, as we get closer to the end here, Blue Jays don't really have that luxury to kind of give him that extra day given where their schedule is. Um, and, it, you know, it's there's two years left on this deal. They've got the Blue Jays have uh, two more years, $40 more million to pay this guy, 34 years old. I mean, I don't think he's done by any means, but I just think because he's a finesse pitcher, there's not a lot of room for error. And uh, as we saw this year, the American League East especially is stacked with plenty of uh, of great hitters. So if his changeup isn't on, isn't like, a hundred percent. It's it's really tough for him to get through five six innings. I mean, he's had good starts this year. It's just as of late, he's just hasn't been able to go deep into ball games. I don't know if he's just if it's fatigue or whatnot. But yeah, definitely not the pitcher that we saw throwing for the Blue Jays last year. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, we could definitely say that he's probably one of the biggest concerns uh, heading down to the final stretch of the regular season. Um, I'm sure you have a an answer that a lot of people are expecting when I ask you this one, but uh, besides uh, the play of Hunjin Ryu's, uh, or at least getting some consistency out of him, what do you think are some of the biggest concerns heading to the uh, home stretch of this uh, regular season here? Um, I mean, I think any Blue Jays fan will probably tell you the bullpen is, although it's kind of calmed down as of late, that's been like the big weakness of this team basically the entire season. Um. I just think back like earlier in the year, you know, those games where they, the Blue Jays like just 
basically pissed away games, you know, throwing guys out there like Tyler Chatwood, mm-hmm. Brad Hand, mm-hmm. Tanner Roark even. Remember he was on the he was on the team earlier this year and um just you know, like just basically guys on the scrap heap. Um I think at the very top, you know, you're pretty confident in guys like Jordan Romano and Tim Meza. But after that, uh, you know, Adam Simber's seen a lot of high leverage situations. I don't necessarily think he's a high leverage pitcher because he's a pitch to contact guy and you definitely don't want to be doing that late in the game. Trevor Richards, when he's on, he's got one of the best changeups as a reliever in the American League, but it's it's often a Jekyll and Hyde with him. So I think kind of that middle, mid to late, well, not late relief, but like that mid, whoever's handing the ball over to Jordan Romano, I think that's kind of a bit of a concern. And then also to me, kind of the the status of George Springer. Um, I know he's not on the injured list right now. He's definitely not playing 100%. He's got that leg brace right now. And at times he's really looked like he's kind of grimacing in pain out there. Um, so we're not going to see him in the field. I do not think at all the rest of the season. I think just in a DH capacity, I think he can still contribute the bat with the bat, even if he's at like 60 or 70%. But I think if it's in a case where you need him to go first to third or second to home, uh, he's shown that he can run definitely, but it's just, I'm always, I'm always scared whenever I see him running the bases. It's just like, Oh no, please, please don't hurt yourself. So I, those are probably the two, I, I mean, they're not huge concerns right now because I think the offense is doing a lot of heavy lifting and it's making a lot for making up for a lot of mistakes with the rest of this team. But yeah, if you had to kind of circle two areas, I would say the bullpen there um, in middle relief and uh, and George Springer. Yeah, that's definitely would be top of my list as well. Um, the bullpen we've been sweeping, uh, screaming to the mountaintops all season long, just about how atrocious it's been. And it's most definitely their Achilles heel. And if they were to make to the playoffs, not only in a wildcard game, but a potentially even a, an ALDS, which would be likely against the Tampa Bay Rays, they'd be in a very tough spot once they go to their bullpen. You're basically flip, flipping a coin, hoping that you get the right uh, side of the side of it. Uh, but yeah, and it's George Springer's health, especially because uh, he he makes that Blue Jays team so complete offensively. And their record, I can't remember what the record is off the top of my head, but the last time I saw it, it was like the winning percentage was really high. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, I I don't know if I prefer him in that leadoff spot. I think maybe you kind of slide him down lower in the lineup because you want a guy up there with the, with a little bit of speed. But, um, yeah, I would rather George, if he's, so long as he can hit, so long as he can hold the bat, I think he needs to be in that in that lineup in some way uh, because we've seen, you know, he's been a proven playoff performer, you know, albeit with that asterisk with the Astros, but um, he's a guy who's been there and done that. And he, he can help guide this very young team. I mean, they got a taste of the playoffs last year. It was kind of just like a, Hey, we're happy to be here. Like, because it was expanded playoffs. Nobody was really expecting them to make the postseason. They squeaked in as the, I think it was the eighth seed. You're they're playing the Rays. You're playing with house money at this point. So, they're not really expecting to win that series, but I think this year, if they if they get into the wild card and if they make it to the ALDS, um, I don't think it's quite as a, as lopsided as a matchup as most people think. Um, I think this this lineup can definitely win you a couple games single handedly. Um, it's just it's it always comes down to pitching and defense, right? Like you've got to play a hundred percent perfect game. More often than not, the Rays do that. They have one of the best records in the American League, if not the best one, I think. So. 
uh, you can't make any mistakes against these guys. So that's that's one thing they definitely have to keep in mind if they're going into a playoff series against the Rays. For sure. Um, I'm going to ask uh, ask you, I guess, the opposite of the question that Michael asked earlier. But um, other than the obvious great play from, you know, those expected at the top of the lineup, you know, Vlad and your bows and your George Springers, um, what, I guess, what area of the Blue Jays or who has impressed you the most Um especially as of late? Well, I mean, if we were just looking into September, um, and I don't think this is a f- probably not sustainable over the course of a full season, but just the play single-handedly of, of Lourdes Griel Jr. I mean, this guy's been playing like his hair is on fire the entire month of September. Um, and the fact that he's hitting down in the lower third of the Blue Jays' order uh, just helps lengthen that lineup a lot more, right? Like, how many times can you say that you fear like the number seven hitter on a team? I mean, that doesn't happen very often, but all of a sudden opposing teams are like, Whoa, we gotta, we gotta do our homework on this guy. So uh, Lourdes Gurriel definitely coming around with the bat has been a, a really pleasant surprise. And I mean, you look to just like, look up and down this roster. I can't remember. I mean, the, obviously the 2015 ta- team was super talented, but they didn't have, this much elite talent like think about it you've got Robbie Ray potential Cy Young candidate uh Vladimir Guerrero Jr. MVP candidate Marcus Simeon MVP candidate um Alec Manoa maybe he gets some rookie of the year votes um it's just like man like you think about all this talent and it's like how can these guys not make the playoffs like if you said oh the Blue Jays at the beginning of the year the Blue Jays are going to have two top five MVP guys in their lineup in a Cy Young. It's like, well, of course they're going to make the playoffs. Why wouldn't they make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just the amount of talent on this team this year has been super impressive. Um, and obviously they've had their their tough stretches, and that's been due to the bullpen. That's been due to the lineup not being able to hit with runners in scoring position, and the starting pitching has struggled. But, I mean, every it happens with every team, right? But ultimately, I think this team... The other thing, too, is the run differential. You look at the run differential. They have one of the best in the American League, right? And that's kind of, you look at the Blue Jays' record, and it's like, how do they not have more wins than they do? Because they just bludgeon teams, as we saw in that uh, in that Orioles series, right? It was just like football scores, like, you know, 11 runs, 11 runs, 22 runs. Like, that does not happen in Major League Baseball. Um, so it's just, yeah, the the amount of talent on this team, I think, overall is just really impressed me and elite talent too right like Mm -hmm. i I can't think of the last time the blue jays had an mvp candidate and a saw young candidate on the roster in the same year it's it's been a really long time since that happened that has happened it's honestly been such a treat to watch this blue jays team and the comparisons to that 2015 team that uh everyone's been uh clamoring about the last few weeks it's it's understandable why it comes that way because this team is is been such a treat to watch week in and week out so Going over, like, combining the good and the bad aspects of this team, do you think that this Blue Jays team can make the playoffs? Um, I mean, I think they can, but I think it's going to be super close. Like, these next two weeks are going to be, if you're a Jays fan, this is going to be super stressful. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's kind of, unlike 2015, where they basically, like, ran the table after the... Uh, after the trade deadline, um, you know, they were like something like 42 and 16, I think down the stretch mm-hmm. that year, this team kind of mimics more of what happened in 2016, where 
Blue Jays were, you know, in first place for a while. They had a wild, the wild card handily. And then as September kind of came around, they started sputtering a little bit. And it came down to the very last game in Fenway Park. Um, Aaron Sanchez had like a really nice game, I think a seven inning one run game. And the Blue Jays just squeaked it out at the very last, on the very last day of the schedule, they got into that wild card game. So I think this season is kind of mimicking what's happened, what happened in 2016, uh, just like every night, because also you're doing a lot of scoreboard watching, right? Like they're tied with the Red Sox right now for that first wild card. Um, the Yankees are a half game back. Mind you, the, the A's and the Mariners are still there three and four games back. I think it's going to take a lot for them to leapfrog their way up into the standings. But as we've seen in the last three weeks, like anything can literally anything can happen. Like Blue Jays had to go on a run and the Yankees had to fall off a cliff for Toronto to have a shot. And that happened. So I, I, I still think we've got a little bit of a kookiness and a little bit of craziness left in this season. Um, I think ultimately, if they do get in, it's, they're going to squeak in. It's going to be by the skin of their teeth. And who knows? Maybe we do see a, a tiebreaker game. I think that would be even crazier, right? You play a tiebreaker game, then you play a wild card game, and then you're in the playoffs. Like, it's, uh, it would make for fun viewing, for sure. That's I would say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the Toronto way. Do everything by the skin of their teeth and just barely make it in. <laughs> just par <laughs> for the course. Yeah. Yeah, I think so long as they get in the playoffs, I think that's that's the thing, right? Like, and that's the, especially with baseball, like anything can happen, especially in a short series. You know, you've only got to win three games. It's not a seven game series where a team like the Tampa Bay Rays can really throttle you in, in a hurry. Um, and even last year, the Blue Jays barely got their footing in. You play two games and that's it. Your season's over. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think obviously the division's kind of, it's going to be really tough for them to catch the race for the division. I don't foresee that happening, but that wild card is you want that first wild card. You want to be hosting that game. You do not want to be playing that game in Fenway park with all those weird dimensions and all the weird stuff that happens there. And you don't want to be playing a Yankee stadium where they have that short porch and right field. That's very enticing for left-handed hitters. So you want to be gunning for that number one wild card spot. That's for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you mentioned, and like, even going back to your comparison with the 2015 and 2016 teams, I was going to say, like, I just love how the Blue Jays, just like 2015 and 2016, they encapsulate, like, the whole the whole city is just so excited about them. I feel like almost maybe maybe also because, you know, pandemic and all that, and they're the only team back and things like that. But um, the excitement for the Blue Jays, are, I feel like even more, I mean, it was huge in 2015 and 2016. That was such a time, but it's almost like, even a little more now and it's just so exciting yeah for sure i mean in 2015 that was like 22 years in the making so you had basically an entire generation of blue jays fans who had never they heard about the 92 and 93 teams that won the world series but they've never seen them in person or never seen a playoff game yeah um and it was just a groundswell so that it set the entire country on fire and this year i think we kind of saw shades of that when the Jays came back home at the end of July, right? Like that opening ceremony, I I was watching some of the video earlier this week and I was like, man, I'm getting goosebumps again because it was just so, um, it kind of gave people hope, right? Like this, this team coming back to Toronto after almost, you know, a year and a half or however long they were away. And it just kind of gave the jolt that everybody really needed. And now the Blue Jays are playing out of their minds and, and people are flocking down to the ballpark. I mean, mind you, they can only have 15,000 right now, but still it's, uh, it, it feels like things are sort of starting get, getting back to normal and, and being there for like a 
meaningful September baseball, I think it's, this is exactly what Blue Jays fans have wanted. Um, although it's very, it can be very stressful. It's also very exciting at the same time. Absolutely. And uh, it's it's going to be great to see uh, just the excitement of the city continue to build up uh, in the weeks ahead. It's honestly something that I think this city could really use, given uh, how, one, the Leafs season ended, two, the Raptors season ended, and also with COVID uh, just continuing to be a Debbie Downer on everything. Just having at least one of those three big teams go on an inspired run or even making the playoffs, I think will boost the city's... Uh, city's uh spirits and i think that could go a long way so let's just hope that they can actually make it there yeah i think they've got a they've got a decent shot and yeah like i've i've got some friends that are leafs fans and they've got kind of a bitter taste in their mouth that, or, or what happened <laughs> earlier that's, putting in the year. Lightly. that's putting it lightly it's uh i i think i don't i don't want to say like the blue jays are toronto's team right now um i think that's kind of a tough title to to take from a, a hockey team or a, a, a basketball team that just won a championship a few years ago. But I think like the, the timing of everything right now is just lining up for this mm-hmm. squad, right? Like you've got, you got Vladdy, you got Simeon, you got Ray. Um, and they're, they're firing on all cylinders and they managed to squeak their way in. And I mean, this is, a, every, I think everyone on paper thought that this was a playoff caliber team at the beginning of the season, right? Like this is where they should have been. It's just, they took, the craziest way to get here. Um, you know, they've they got rid of a ton of relievers. They rebuilt their bullpen. They've had, you know, uh, all-star seat. They had four all-stars at, at the, at the all-star game this year too. Like that's another thing, like four all-stars, two MVP candidates, a Cy Young candidate, like, come on, they've got to, with all this talent, they have to somehow squeak their way into it. You've got to think, right? So yeah. it's, um, yeah, I think a lot of people are just, and it's the other thing too. I've, I find people are, are scoreboard watching, right? Like, I found this earlier this week. I'm watching the the Orioles Yankees game in September. I'm like, wh- when have I ever done that? I'm I'm cheering for the Orioles here. Like, this is <laughs> what is going on here? But this is <laughs> this is the craziness of September baseball, right? You're cheering for other teams in the standings to beat up the teams that you want to go further down the standings. And yeah, it's it's just a it's been a really fun, really really nice change and t- exciting turn of events in the last three weeks. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I got a question about uh, what are your thoughts on Charlie Montoyo's managing as of late? I feel like there's been a lot of discourse about it lately. Um, you know, a lot some fans out there, and you know, a lot of people, you know, talking negatively about it. But there have been a lot of there has been a lot of positive talk as well i mean um raise manager kevin cash just said he that um charlie should be the manager of the year even um so what do you think about that topic yeah i, I kind of agree with kevin cash i think you know if the blue jays somehow get into the playoffs i think charlie's got a chance at, at manager of the year if not getting in the top three voting um yeah, i've seen that as well on, on twitter you know there's a lot of especially in Late game situation. I found it often where it was those games where the Jays were like stranding ten runners on base, and like the Blue Jays are trying anything to to get a run across, and you know they're bunting in late game situations, you know, trying to get Alejandro Kirk to bunt or lifting him for a pinch hitter, Bravik Valera, and all these things. And I mean, in a vacuum, of course, I would not make those decisions, but. Um, there's a lot of thing, a lot of factors that go into those decisions, right? Like, especially in games like that, where the Blue Jays are not scoring tons, you've kind of got to 
maybe sacrifice an out to potentially get a run just to to get a run across the board so i think ultimately i mean i like i don't think he's one of the best managers in the american league i don't think he's one of the worst i think he's he's there to kind of just keep the ship steady right to keep all these players on an even keel and i guess that's the one kind of compliment i'll uh, i will i would say that charlie's definitely really good at and maybe this is from his experience you know coaching all these years in the minor leagues at, at, at several levels and also winning in the minor leagues but um he has the ability to basically have a, a short uh, a short-term memory like just is lose the game okay we're on to the next one like it's there's no point in kind of dwelling on a on a bad performance or you know a, a bunt that went wrong and, and just trying to get everybody to focus on the following game because i think especially on twitter and social media i think you guys will agree like fans really tend to dwell on <laughs> on things um and it's there's a there's so much that goes into these decisions um you know there's some there's some moves that charlie's made that i definitely would not have made but it's um you know it's his team and he's he's the manager and i i think he also has some input from the other guys on the bench there like john schneider it's it's not just him you know throwing out a lineup card and saying this is my this is my game i'm doing what i want or i'm yeah. cl- calling these guys in like they're obviously looking at matchups and seeing who's hot and who's not and having a feel for the game so it's um it, it's kind of a thankless job right like if the blue jays make the playoffs if they go deep i think Everyone's like, yeah, Charlie's the best. And if if they don't make it in, it's like, oh man, Charlie, Charlie pissed away a couple of those games. Jay should have been in the playoffs. So <laughs> yeah. kind of like being an umpire. It's almost it's a bit of a thankless job sometimes. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, do you do you think his future is here in Toronto? Because before, obviously, before the the Blue Jays went on this run earlier in the season, um, we we talked about this on an earlier episode. I mean, kind of the thoughts of you know, he's he's a great manager for. Um, this team right now but of course for an up-and-coming team but we you know we felt as though he could be seen as like you know that kind of stepping stone manager but possibly not for the team once they hit you know the the level of contention or um, consistent contention um, but do you see him his future being here in Toronto since they're they are a team heading towards that consistent contention elite level or you know do you think he's you know, like like I mentioned, kind of a stepping stone uh, type of manager as this team continues to develop. I don't know. I mean, I've heard that before that um, Charlie's kind of here as a as a transitional manager. Um, you know, for, to go from John Gibbons to whoever the next guy is. I don't know if that would be someone like John Schneider, who's coached at several levels in the Blue Jays organization. It seems like they're kind of grooming him to uh, potentially be a manager in the future, or if it's somebody outside the box. I mean, heck, the White Sox hired Tony, Tony LaRusso last year. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think the Blue Jays are bringing back Cito Gaston or anything like that, but maybe there's somebody out there that they covet, that they're, they have their sights on in the next few years. Um, ultimately, I think my gut tells me that I don't, I don't think he is here for the long term. I, I do kind of think he is a bit of a transitional manager and, you know, I think he's done an okay job being that this is his first major league team and he's had a wealth of talent and he's had to deal with a lot of, uh, these are a lot of young players, right? Like, you know, Vladdy's 22, Bo's 23. Um, and these are franchise figureheads and they're running your team essentially. So you've got to be able to kind of speak their language and be able to be one-on-one with them. Um yeah, I, I don't know. I, if you ask me today if, if Charlie's here in the next five years, I don't think so. I, I, 
Now, I don't know how that plays out. It's just I think I my sus- suspicion is that they have somebody else in mind long term down the road. But I think they're probably I think they're probably pretty happy with what they've had so far from uh, from Charlie Montoyo. I definitely agree that uh, Charlie Montoya has put the the uh, players in a good spot uh, going into the uh, future and has mm-hmm. helped uh, establish the culture that they've uh, had right now. And like you were saying earlier, that positive mentality after each game, I think that goes a long way for a lot of these players that uh, are in a tough market, even if it's not as big as some of the others in baseball, where they can be pretty ruthless when things aren't going well. And uh, for these young players that... We have to remember they're they're in their early twenties still or early to mid twenties. They they have to get established that mentality, and it takes a lot of time. So even if uh, Charlie Montoya is not here when the Blue Jays are a title contending team year after year, you have you can't. It's hard to ignore all the things that he would have done because they probably wouldn't have been in that mm-hmm. position if it wasn't for what he established early on. For sure, and I mean ultimately the faces of this franchise are. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, Bo Bouchette, and uh, a few other players. Like it's not, it's not Charlie Montoyo, and I don't think in any case a manager should be the face of the franchise. But yeah, the talent is going to is going to drive this team. And I often think kind of like a manager is maybe a, a bit overrated. Like maybe over the course of a full season, maybe you're the best managers in the, in the, in the game get you like one or maybe two extra wins. But I don't, ultimately, I don't think managers cost teams tons of games all the time. I think the odd one here or there, but it's just in a vacuum when it's a team's not hitting with runners in scoring position. They can't get a bunt bunt down. They bunt foul and strike out. It's just, it, 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 it looks really bad on the manager. I'll admit it, but yeah, that's the, the, the only gripe I have with Charlie yeah, is the, when he puts the bunt on, he leaves the bunt on. So everybody in the ballpark knows what's happening. And there's not a ton of players on this team who can get a, a bunt down all the time. So I just think, ultimately, I think you just let guys swing, right? Like, it's not mm-hmm. bunting. Never, bunting, nothing ever good good happens when you, when you try to get guys to bunt. Just let them swing the bat. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's just something that uh, we're going to have to live with for as long as he's here. But uh, as long as he keeps putting up the results... Uh... I don't think anyone will be complaining too much. Now, in terms of the potential wildcard uh, game that the Blue Jays could find themselves in by early October, assuming uh, we have a chance to pick who the Jays get to play, would you rather it be the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, or one of the Mariners slash Athletics? I mean, given how the Jays kind of steamrolled the Yankees and, and Yankee Stadium... There might be a little bit of recency bias there to to want to pick the Yankees, especially if that game is in Toronto. But let's keep in mind, like if the Yankees throw their number one out there, it's Garrett Cole, who is, uh, you know, who, depending on who you talk to, the number one or the number two pitcher in the American League. Um, I just kind of think, man, wouldn't that be crazy if it was Cole and Ray in a wild card game? Like that would be be appointment mm-hmm. viewing. Um, but I think if you had to pick, I would probably go with the Red Sox. They're kind of a bit of a more of an unknown. I think if they're throwing their number one at you. It's Chris sale. And he's just recently returned from injury. And although he's kind of, you know, still striking out guys at a, at an insane rate. Um, it's not, he's not a hundred percent given, like you can kind of know, you know what to expect from Garrett Cole. I think if you get into that Yankees bullpen 
as the Blue Jays did in that one start in Yankee Stadium when he exited uh, with the injury. Um, you have a bit of a chance, but if it's if Cole's in there like seven, eight innings and the Jays' bats are not on fire at all, it's going to be a really, really tough game. But the Blue Jays have gotten into both bullpens. They've gotten into the Red Sox and the Yankees' bullpens. So I think ultimately if you pick one, and as it stands right now, it would be Toronto and Boston, um, and they're tied, so that game would... Red Sox have the season, uh, the season series, so they would that game would be in Boston at Fenway Park, which would be a really tough game. But I think ultimately, if you had to pick one of those two teams, I think Toronto wants to play would want to play Boston more than they would New York. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, like even despite the Yankees' recent struggles and their kind of, um, you know, their slump, I think I think it's pretty apparent. Yeah, like I think the Red Sox would be the better matchup for the Blue Jays. Yeah, and I would say overall, um, the Red Sox have kind of have really overachieved this year. I mean, I did not expect yeah. them to be anywhere at this level. Now, given they've fallen quite a bit since leading the division for most of the season, but I I had no I I never predicted them to be in a playoff spot. I thought they were going to be down in the bottom of the cellar with the uh, the Baltimore Orioles. So uh, yeah, that's a very it's a team that's on the downturn and the blue Jays are on the upswing. So if I think Toronto would be catching Boston right at the, at the perfect time mm-hmm. caveat there is it's a wild card. It's a one game. Anything can happen. Wild things have happened. That's, I guess that's why they call it the wild card. So um, yeah, that, that would be the, that would be the favorable matchup would be Boston. I think over New York, you know, what's crazy. If this would be the very first time, regardless of who they would end up facing, that the Jays would meet the Yankees and or the Red Sox in the playoffs. Like, that's insane. Like, in four, the 40-plus years the franchise has existed, not once have the, has the Blue Jays faced one of those two legendary teams. It's just insane, yep. even, even though everyone hates them, or at least the Blue Jays fans. I think after all those years of being in the division since... Uh, 1977, they would have faced them at least once, but yeah, even a one game wild card against Boston or, or New York. It's, I think most people, when they think back of playoff games in recent memory, it's like the Jays and the, uh, and the, and the Rangers or the Jays and the, and the Royals or the Indians, but yeah, New York or Boston would be very, very foreign. I mean, we're used to seeing the Jays play them like 18, 19 times a year in the regular season, but Never in October and never when their season is on the line. So it would be uh, it would be very exciting for sure. For sure. Um, I'll ask uh, if if the Jays, I guess, if they do make the playoffs and, you know, they get past the wild card game, how far do you realistically think this team can go? I mean, I, I've heard other people say that nobody wants to face this team in the playoffs and I think that there's a ton of validity to that because as we talked about earlier, like just the amount of talent um, and the ability at the top of this lineup, let alone the fact that the bottom third of this order has suddenly come around in the month of September. Uh, it makes it a really scary prospect for any opposing pitcher. Um, but what happens in playoffs is you see, you don't don't often see twenty two run games. You it's like the one nothing, two nothing, two one, three two games where the pitchers uh, take over the game and the, it goes into the bullpen in the fifth and sixth. And there's tons of strikeouts. So um, yeah, I think that's 
if this again, if this if the Blue Jays get on a run, um, and even if they do end up facing the Rays, which who they likely would if they make it past the wild card, I would not count them out. I I think they do have the pitching, at least the starting pitching to match up with the Rays. I think the the bullpen, the Rays, have, they're always able to kind of cobble relievers out of nowhere, and you know, like these guys that look like they're random name generators, and they're throwing all weird arm slots and stuff like that. And, you know, Kevin Cash plays matchups very well. And they have an ability to throw a ton of left-handed hitters at you. So it would be an uphill battle, but I don't think it's quite a given that the Rays would win that series if the Blue Jays face them in the ALDS. And then, I mean, if you get into the, into the ALCS, like what you're facing, the White Sox or the Astros. And I think, honestly, they could... Blue Jays would probably match up pretty good with either of those teams as well. So obviously the the big thing is get in first, uh, win that wild card. But then after that, you can kind of start to plan your pitching matchups. And remember that you only have really have to go down to basically three starters at that point. So you kind of eliminate the need for, for Ryu. You can put Mats in the bullpen and just roll with Manoa. Uh, Manoa, Ray, and and Barrios, and I think that the, those top three pitchers would probably match up pretty well against any other pitching staff in the American League. Absolutely, and I think that's a, a really good uh, basis going into the playoffs. The Blue Jays do know who they're going up against. It's uh, it's a team that they're very familiar with. Um, they played them last year. Obviously, that experience was a, a bit of a learning curve. And that, that team was probably not going to beat that race team who went on to make it all the way to the World Series. But, um, you know, they have a chance. I, you, I definitely agree with you. And one reason that they're going to have a chance is the play of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who could be argued as the MVP, either him or Shohei Otani. Now, Ian, given all that we've seen so far, between the two, who do you think is the MVP? Oh, I know. This is kind of the talk of sports Twitter this week, right? Like, especially <laughs> with the fact that the Angels are, uh, they're kind of backing off Otani in his starts, and he's been in a bit of a slump at the plate in the month of September. Um, I don't know. It's maybe this is, I feel like maybe I've got a bit of Blue Jays bias, but like to me, I, part of me still thinks this should be Vladdy just because of the offensive season he's having. Uh, it's one of the best offensive seasons in Blue Jays history. You know, there's a potential for him to to get the triple crown. Um, like, how crazy would that be if he wins the triple crown and he doesn't win MVP? Like, I think the only time that ha- has happened, uh, be like uh, Joe DiMaggio and Ted Williams, I think was, that was the like way back in the early 1900s. Is, that's the last time, one of the last times that it happened. So, um yeah, I just think that the fact that a lot of voters really kind of adore the fact that Otani is giving you, you know, some really nice stats on the pitching, and he's also one of the best hitters in the American League. Um, maybe we should let Vladdy go out there and pitch the last two or three weeks and see, and see what happens. Maybe that would help his his MVP case. But you know, ultimately, I think he probably, unfortunately, I. Well, not unfortunately. I think he finished a second in MVP. And, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, think about it. We go back last year, and um, I I didn't necessarily have this thought, but I think there were some people who were saying, oh, you know, maybe he's a bust as a pro- as a prospect, right? Like, 
He's had two years in the big leagues, hasn't really produced at the level that most people were expecting. They're expecting him to be the next on Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr. And to his credit, he put in the work in the offseason. You know, he lost all that weight, committed to playing first base. And, and I mean, he, Vladdy is suddenly the player who everyone thought he was going to be when he came in in 2015. Mm-hmm. So I think unless Vladdy goes on a really crazy tear this last couple of weeks, I think he probably finishes second just because of the fact that we're seeing something with Otani that we've never seen before, right? Like we've never seen a pitcher perform at this level and, and at the plate at the same time, any other year, Vladdy is a hands down MVP. But unfortunately I don't think it's this year. He's got, he's got an MVP coming in the future. I think though. I totally agree with you there. I, the whole season I've honestly thought has been Shohei's uh, award to lose, but very clearly Vladimir Guerrero is the second best player in the American League this year. Probably, arguably the first. It's just when you have that uh, those uh, two way abilities as Shohei does, it's just it's just hard to to top that. And the voters are going to vote for Shohei. And as much as I, I hate to say that because I do want Vladdy to, Vladdy to win so badly, it's that's just how the the voters are probably going to go. Yep, and um, the other thing too is he probably Vladdy probably wins the Hank Aaron Award as the best. Um, best offensive player in the league. I think he, I think he gets that. The other thing too, um, if we're kind of splitting hairs in the MVP vote, I think what would happen is, you know, guys like Marcus Simeon or maybe even down ballot, um, Teoscar Hernandez might actually steal some votes from, from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of another thing working against Vladdy. Obviously what happens here in the last couple of weeks is going to kind of play factor in because I, I think, Voters sometimes weigh whether a team makes it into the playoffs and, and, and puts that into their consideration. Obviously, in 2015, Donaldson lifts this team into the playoffs on his back, and he's he's in the MVP, no question there. But um, the Angels are not making the postseason, and the Blue Jays could. And if they do, it's going to be in, in large part due to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So, again, it's kind of like MVP is always weird because it's a lot. These are all subjective ballots, right? It's not... We can look at the war. We can look at war. We can look at all the stats and everything, and that's that's very clear. It's it's right there in front of us. But people's definition of value, what you see as valuable, is different than what I think, or you know, somebody else or a voter. So, um, yeah, it's it's always weird. I think people always get upset about it. But I mean, think about it. you're gonna have to probably two the number two and number three MVP uh placers on the toronto blue jays this year so i mean to me that's a pretty damn good season absolutely agree um so the blue jays have a big off season coming up uh of course we know this uh, especially with robbie ray and marcus Semyon both being impending free agents and as we talked about already this podcast they are both huge um pieces to this this team's contention i guess window but do you think uh I guess uh, I basically want to ask, are they really, are they keys to keep it like to keep them and to keep this team on an upward trend? Or do you think, you know, even if they are unable to resign them, um, the blue Jays can still contend at the same rate. Yeah. Those are the two kind of big immediate questions surrounding the blue Jays. As soon as their season is finished is what do you do with Robbie Ray? What do you do with Marcus Simeon? Um, and I mean, I think this team has enough payroll to obviously bring both of these guys back. Um, 
they're going to be making a huge amount of money regardless of where they sign. Um, Robbie Ray is probably getting a hundred, hundred plus million dollars. Marcus Simeon might be making somewhere in like the George Springer contract territory of like 140, 150 million. Uh, the Blue Jays could definitely take on a couple more 20 to 25, $30 million contracts on, on the books next year. I think for absolutely for sure. You don't spend $80 million on Hyunjin Ryu and you don't spend $150 million on George Springer unless you're serious about making the playoffs. Like They doubled down last offseason with Springer. You've got to triple down this offseason. Um, I don't know if that's Ray and Simeon. My gut tells me that Simeon probably not so much because um, this is someone who uh, uh, he basically bet on himself this year, right? Like he was just like, screw it. I'm going to take a one-year deal. And I'm going to go into free agency and now he's going to make a pile of money. And um, I think Arden Zwelling of Sportsnet said that uh, on the, on their podcast at the letters that the Jays and, and Simeon tried to work out a four-year contract or a three or four-year contract before he ultimately signed that one-year deal. So Simeon, someone who kind of grew up in California, all of his family's out there. Um, he's got a lot of, some young kids. I think that pro- this decision weighs heavily on him. So this year was obviously a lot of uncertainty. The Blue Jays played in three home ballparks. So ultimately, I don't think Simeon comes back. I think Ray is the more likely target. Um, just the fact that he was he signed out of the gate last year. He was the very first free agent. One year, $8 million, re-signed with the Blue Jays. I think he's really enjoyed kind of his renaissance season here in Toronto with the Blue Jays and you know Pete Wa- working with Pete Walker and Matt Bushman and being able to unlock this ability. And um, I think it's legit. I think he's, I don't know if he's going to be a Cy Young every year, but I think he's definitely unlocked something here. And I think if he sticks in Toronto, he could have a really, really nice three or four year run. But if the Blue Jays, if Ray goes elsewhere, if Simeon goes elsewhere, I mean, there's a ton of infielders on the market this year. Um, There's a lot of exciting, splashy trades the Blue Jays could make this year. Um, I think whether it's trade, whether it's free agency or both this winter, um, they've got a lot of work to do, but they do have a ton of money to play with. So I think just as they were really active on the market last year, I think they're going to be even more active this offseason. And they definitely are going to be active this offseason for sure, because uh, as we've been discussing already, we don't have to stress it anymore. The bullpen has to be addressed this <laughs> offseason. I'm sure that there's some other things that we could think of that would be of uh, importance for the Blue Jays to acquire. But uh, with the addition of the bullpen and uh, and uh, deciding what to do with Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon, what else do you think should be the Blue Jays' focus in the offseason? Um, to me, I think they've really got to get some balance and um, a legitimate left-handed top-of-the-order bat, um, somebody who can kind of really balance things out because the Blue Jays are really, really top-heavy at the the top of the order even though Corey Dickerson has had some at bats and kind of lead off spot there I, I don't think he's cat he's kind of miscast up there but I think the Blue Jays really need like a legitimate guy um someone like Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Indians I've always kind of circled him as like a really that's like a pie in the sky trade acquisition that I think the Blue Jays would love to make um he's a switch hitter plays third base you know the Blue Jays don't really have a traditional third baseman at the moment so he would be a nice top of the order bat even so if you know marcus simeon goes away you kind of feel a little bit better about the team if you bring in a player of his caliber 
Um, and there's tons of shortstops on the free agent market this year. You know, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Javier Baez. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. So the Blue Jays could augment that infield a little bit. But to me, um, yeah, I think third base is probably in the lineup, probably priority number one, if it if that batter is left-handed, uh, bonus. And then if not, um, some sort of left-handed uh, outfielder, uh, left-handed hitting outfielder, just to kind of bring some balance in. The, the thing about the bullpen is, like, you know, the Blue Jays did their work in the offseason. Like, they acquired a ton of relievers, right? It's just most of them got hurt. You know, Kirby Yates didn't pitch at all this year. David Phelps went down, barely pitched anything. Ryan Brock, he's been up and down. Um, I, I, I think what happens with the bullpen is you don't, you don't want to get too top heavy because if someone like a Yates goes down, all of a sudden you're out 5 million bucks, right? Think about how many relievers you can get for $5 million. You could probably go out and get five relievers. So it's a case where I think with the Blue Jays, it's kind of like uh, quantity, not quality necessarily. And mm-hmm. what you do is maybe someone like Nate Pearson goes into the bullpen next year. I don't know. I think they maybe they stretch him back out as a starter, but that's definitely an option. Um, yeah, so they've got... I, I would I think the bullpen does need to be addressed. It's just I don't think they should go out and get the top end relievers. Like I think last year may have been an exception with like someone like Liam Hendricks who who signed with the White Sox. Like he would have been a really 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 nice guy to have. But I don't think sinking a ton of money into high end relievers is it it never seems to end well. So it's just I think that money would be much better put towards like a bat or something like that. That's definitely a good idea. Obviously, they should be trying to make the team even deeper. And uh, just getting some extra arms in the bullpen would, would go a long way. But the Blue Jays are in, put themselves in a really good position going forward. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see what the future holds for them. Yeah, I mean, let's, like, even just looking ahead to next year, like, if we subtract Simeon off the roster, we subtract Ray, we subtract Steven Matz. I mean, they still have a pretty decent core, right? Like, you've still got Bichette, Vladdy, Hernandez, um, Alejandro Kirk, Alec Manoa. They're all going to be there next year. Um, Jose Barrios as well. So it's just augmenting that team, lifting it back up, and kind of getting it at the same level it was this year, if not even better. For sure, for sure. Um, so we are running a little bit of uh behind time but uh and we don't want to keep you too long but we have one more question for you uh, again thank you so much for coming on man really appreciate it but i kind of end on kind of a sentimental note but um we i remember when we were discussing the jays uh in just a few months ago even last year uh when we had you on we agreed that 2021 is their chance to contend and it appears they are arriving on schedule <laughs> but did you ever foresee this actually coming to fruition and even I mean, in this in this way, yeah, it's it's funny if that if we circled that year, that's kind of like when the that one writer of Sports Illustrated uh, predicted the <laughs> Houston Astros to be World Series <laughs> champions that year. But um, I think ultimately, if we kind of you know take it back to Leafland, like the, the Blue Jays always wanted to build a sustainable winner, and how do you do that? You have you make the young guys part of your core, like. You know your your Matthews and your Marner and Nylander and whatnot. That's that's Vladdy. That's Bichette. That's Hernandez. Um, so I, I think it was only a matter of time. Like considering that, let's take a look at this. I mean, the Blue Jays and the Orioles faced off in the wild card in 2016. 
Um, obviously the Orioles are you know, the in the basement this year and the Blue Jays are on the precipice of a potential playoff series. So just look at how far those two teams have come. And even the, the Kansas city Royals as well, like they're in the midst of a rebuild. The Blue Jays actually turned this thing around pretty quickly. Like, you know, 2018, 2019, they were not that fun for Blue Jays fans, especially on the win record side. But last year they make the playoffs, albeit expanded playoffs, and they're knocking on the door this year. So it's, um, I, w- I kind of expected it to happen. I just didn't expect it to happen this quickly. I would have said, you know, maybe 2022 is kind of the year to circle, but, you know, they're a year ahead of schedule. So that's a, it's been a pleasant surprise. For sure. We've been, we've been saying that all the time, like, no matter what happens, the Blue Jays, even last season and this season, the Blue Jays are well ahead of schedule. And, and if anything, this is just showing a lot of promise for what's to come. Yeah. And I mean, you look at their farm system and I'm not someone who has incredible knowledge of, the, of their prospects and whatnot, but they've been able to restock their farm system pretty quickly. And they still have a ton of top prospects, even though they, they traded two of their biggest ones at the trade deadline to get Jose Barrios. But there's guys in the pipeline coming that are, you know, they're going to be the next Bo Bichette and the next Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But for now, these guys are going to be here for a long time, you know, the next five, six years. And that brings a really bright future for this franchise. It certainly goes without saying, uh, Ian, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us again. We always appreciate you uh, coming on to talk to the Jays about us. And uh, we look forward to having you on again. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, always, uh, always nice to talk about a team that's potentially in the playoffs and not a team that's like 30 games under 500. So <laughs> makes the conversation very easy. Always, certainly, always great. Certainly has, because now the Jays are losing 7-3. <laughs> we jinxed it. We jinxed it. <laughs> uh, I apologize. But yeah, man, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, we hope you have a, a great night. Yeah, for sure. It was my pleasure. If you, if you ever need me back anytime, just let me know. Amazing. Nothing better than talking with Ian about uh, the Blue Jays. Uh, he's always a pleasure to have on. Uh, I think we forgot to mention his uh, Twitter page uh, yeah, that during now. the conversation. If you guys haven't followed him yet, which you absolutely should, because he's he's great. You can follow him on Twitter at Blue J Hunter. That's B L U E J A Y H U N T E R. Yeah, he's I'm, absolutely a great follow. I highly yeah, recommend. Exactly that. Uh, he's a great follow. Um, check out his work as well on Daily Hive, of course, on Blue Jay Hunter. On uh, he 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 wrote a lot for uh, the Jays Nation as well. So uh, for Blue Jays Nation. So yeah, definitely check out his work and yeah, just as I mean, this is what our third fourth time having him on. Just all around a great guy and uh, always a pleasure having mom. He has, he always has just so much insight on the J. So yeah, just a fun time overall. Um, episode kind of been running a little long. I do want to talk about one quick thing. I mean, Leafs and Raptors, uh, Leafs and Raptors, we already said, you know, it's, it's been kind of a, I mean, it's the off season, you know, and as we get closer to the season, which is right around the corner. So a lot more hockey and basketball, um, content is coming your way, but it's been, you know, it's that time of the off season where it's been kind of, uh, just kind of, you know, in in that kind of uh, break break time, not not really anything going on. But today, uh, Scotty Barnes actually, Scotty Barnes uh, uh, actually threw out the first pitch of today's Blue Jays game, so that's cool. But 
Scotty Barnes, who we all know we talked about, loving how he um, is embracing the Raptors and Toronto, and he just seems so excited. Like from the moment they drafted him, he just seems so excited to be part of the Raptors, to be drafted by the Raptors and all that. He actually put out a uh, Players Tribune uh, article, like a letter to Toronto type of type of thing. And uh, long story short, he is excited to be um, a Raptor and he's completely bought into it. I'll just summarize real quick. I mean, he, he goes into, you know, just an excitement um, getting drafted by the Raptors. The fact that he said, you know, his birthday was around there and he said, you know, that was like the best birthday gift that he could possibly get. But then also coming to Toronto and, you know, meeting everyone, you know, going to see the city, going to see, you know, Mm -hmm. Drake's house, all those cool places, um, all the, you know, all the food spots. um, Just, he loved it all around. He loves the vibe of the city. And most importantly, after meeting Masai, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, and, you know, especially they really sold him on what Toronto's trying to build, what Toronto's about, especially the, you know, being such a defensive team and he was really sold on that you know he said i mean mm-hmm. here's a poll quote even in the article he says toronto feels like we're about to do something special together just overall just from top to the bottom is just praising the city the fans um the organization and he's just really excited and i know i mean obviously any draft pick would be excited to be drafted mm-hmm. to an nba team but we have never seen this from any raptor really i mean we, i was telling you this before we started recording um like the the toronto raptors here that are like you know core toronto raptors the, the toronto raptors love it here you know um players like sergi baka kyle lowry uh the ones we've seen like that they uh they, they they love toronto and they always speak so highly of toronto but from the bat you know off the bat when they arrive here i do we don't really hear all that praise about the city from them Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Kyle Lowry, um, he loves the city, but I don't remember, recall like when he came, you know, that much praise or even any top draft pick that the Raptors had in any time, like, you know, Chris Bosh, Vince Carter, there's always been that um, kind of that, not, I don't want to say hesitation, but that, you know, just not as, not really hype, like, no, not really evident hype to be joining the Raptors and Mm-hmm. we see that now with scotty barnes like he's just so excited he doesn't seem he doesn't seem to have any hesitation um the fact that we're you know toronto's in canada um he doesn't care about any of those stereotypes about the cold he just he's just so excited what are I, your I thoughts know, it's, on it's, this i honestly agree with you man it's great to see a player of his caliber just embrace the opportunity that he's been given right off the bat it's you rarely see that from any any raptors before or since uh it's it's been it's been an absolute treat to see him uh just continue to grow like or just the whole summer he's been super excited to be here he's embraced the opportunity he's just said nothing but positive things about toronto and he genuinely wants to be here i think that's the ultimate thing that a lot of raptors fans are absolutely excited about because we have not seen a player of his caliber and what his potential could be just embrace the opportunity since DeMar DeRozan. And it could be argued that he could be better than DeMar DeRozan. We have absolutely no idea what the future holds for him, but I can tell you for a fact that he 
is going to be a fan favorite from day one. And he already is becoming a fan favorite on Twitter. When Once the fans can actually see him in person, there's the whole stadium is going to be filled with Scotty Barnes jerseys. Oh, for sure. And uh, I didn't even mention DeMar DeRozan, but yeah, DeMar DeRozan, another obviously one of the greatest Raptors. And he embraces City fully. But off the bat, um, you know, it's just that this is a lot of hype coming from Scotty Barnes. So that's amazing to see. And yeah, like you said, he's already a fan favorite, but he's putting out this article um, even before he stepped on the court for a regular season game. And what we've seen from Summer League already and just how he's been, he's good. He's really good. So if he could keep <laughs> playing like that, like he's already a fan favorite, but man, if he, you know, if the Raptors have a star player who loves Toronto, who represents Toronto like crazy and loves playing here, and is just like all around, like he seems like just an all around great guy, like already a fan favorite. That is going to be huge, you know? So exactly. yeah, we'll just, we'll just have to see how it plays out. But right now, it, I think it's safe to say, other than Pascal Siakam and, and, and Fred Van Vliet, like Scotty Barnes is. I guess he's he's kind of being set up as the the new face of the franchise, like for the next few years. And it's going to be a great to, a treat to watch him uh, continue to grow as a player and uh, as a person. I'm super. I think Raptors fans are going to be super privileged to see his uh, continued development as the years progress. Uh, we got a good one. Oh yeah, I mean, I was just thinking. I saw. I don't know if you saw that video, but there's a video of you know like the players in the off season going hoop at the gym together or whatever. Um, those like gym ball runs that they have in the offseason with other NBA players but there's one I, I I think Scotty Barnes was at one of them and he was locking up um Donovan Mitchell it was insane <laughs> it was That's insane good, yeah um I, I mean I obviously with these gym runs like that it's not like regular season basketball you know they're just playing around but mm-hmm. hey I mean he's already you know kicking it with those caliber players um without even having stepped foot into NBA uh you know, a regular season game. And he's already doing that, even if it's casual or not, he's, he's able to, you know, keep up with the, the best of the best. So yeah, exciting times, exciting times. Other than that, um, we'll close on this note. The uh, Leafs, again, not much to, to really talk about there, but they had their prospect tournament. Um, I think it's actually still running right now. But uh, yes. I'm guessing next week we will hopefully talk about that more. Exactly, yes. So the prospect camp is going on. Uh, they play two games. As of the first recording, they are 1-1, one one, or 1-0-1, one oh one, I believe. I think they lost an overtime game, but uh, it's been it's been good. We'll, we'll have, definitely have a lot more to say once more time has passed, but uh, rest assured that uh, next week you'll, you'll hear quite a bit from us. But there has actually been some Leaf news today, which we did not see coming. Oh, yes. Uh, we will end on that note, actually. Um, you could take it away here, actually. Uh kind of a, a signing so uh, a tryout signing so why don't you take over and explain to the audience what happened so the toronto maple Leafs announced earlier today that or they didn't actually announce it this is cap friendly that made the first announcement but the leafs are bringing in nikita gusev on a professional tryout and he split last season with the new jersey devils and the florida panthers scoring four goals six assists in 33 games this is a player who's got a lot of potential he came in with a lot of hype. A lot of people were hoping that he could light up the league with the Devils, but uh, and to an extent, he did that in his first year. But his second season was a massive disappointment. He definitely did not live up to the expectations, and he re- left to the uh, Panthers for a pretty mediocre return. Granted, he did get a little bit better as time went on, 
so right now, this is a bit of a question mark. I don't know if this is going to be someone that the Leafs uh, actually sign, but if he does come t- uh, get a contract with the Leafs, he could be an intriguing player. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, just a couple, just a few seasons ago when he signed with the Devils, uh, there was there was a lot of hi- hype around him. So he still has a he still has a good amount of potential, and uh, like, I mean, at the basis of it all, you can't go wrong with the trial contract like that. The best that could happen is that you know he makes the roster and he actually outplays what the expectations were and the worst case scenario is that he doesn't make the team so you know at the basis of it all is just you know a good signing either way exactly yeah the only gripe that i would have with this move and i'm sure a lot of people will have a gripe with this is uh earlier this summer we already know that uh, joshua hosang is coming to to training camp on a professional trial contract as well and I think a lot of people were expecting him to make the uh, the team out of camp, or at least a challenge for a spot. So it's kind of surprising that the Leafs are already getting another player. Uh, yes, uh, he's he's a little bit older, has a little bit more experience, and uh, granted, he's his upside is we already know, it's much more apparent what his potential could be. But at the same time, it's just a kind of a curious decision, at least this early on, knowing that you already have Joshua Hosang in the picture. The only way I can see this move making sense is they think of Joshua Hosang as an option for their Marlies team, and they're looking at Nikita Gusev as a potential option for one-year prove-a-deal and potentially makes the Leafs uh, top top nine. Yeah. Yeah, um, we'll just have to see how that plays out because, yeah, um, with Hosang, I think he has a lot of potential too. So I think going to training camp is just going to be very, um, you know, very interesting to see who makes the final roster, but hey, the more options, the better, right? Exactly, yeah, and it's going to be a very intriguing uh, training camp, regardless of uh, who was there or not. This just adds more intrigue to the mix, and we're going to see a very competitive training camp. I'm just look. I'm hopeful that what we see uh, in training camp this year matches what we will see on the ice in the regular season. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah. We will have more about the Leafs next week. Um, I'll just, uh, I guess we'll just close up here just because we, uh, we're, we're running a little long here. But, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see. have to see how the hockey season plays out. Um, Leafs hockey just around the corner. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. So we will see. Um, as usual, let's just do our social media shout-outs. You could follow me on uh, Twitter at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at the Leafs IMO, and of course, don't forget about our Twitter uh, page for the podcast. I believe is at Behind the Net Pod. We haven't been as active recently, but we're gonna try and get back in uh, into the swing of things with the regular season uh, just around the corner for both the Raptors and the Leafs. For sure, for sure. So with that, um, we are looking forward to next week. We're looking forward to hockey, basketball, and of course, the Blue Jays and seeing how they're season and hopefully the playoffs pan out so yeah we'll see you guys next week take care guys